Hello, everybody. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to bring you the two sponsors of today's show. The first one is Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contain only one gram of sugar. You can get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon using code ShaneWhite30 for 30% off. These donuts are incredible, folks. I am a huge believer in what they're doing. Uh, they are really cleaning up the sweets game, and they've become a staple in our house. When I'm looking for something that you know tastes sweet but I know is not going to ruin my diet, I look to Elite Sweets and their Elite Donut. So check them out. Again, you can get them at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon using code ShaneWhite30 for 30% off. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, expelling vapors, sweating, et cetera, et cetera. Each packet of morning routine contains one half of an organic lemon, half or one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. You just take one of their tear packs, mix them into around 20 ounces of water, shake it up, and you're good to go. Um, it's become a staple of my morning routine. Instead of going for that you know, morning cup of coffee, which actually dehydrates you a little bit first thing in the morning, I grab a morning routine, gets my metabolism fired up, and I honestly love it. I do feel hydrated all morning long, and uh, like I said, it's become a staple of my morning. They also have other products right now, such as green superfoods, vitamin D, apple cider vinegar gummies, elderberry gummies. They have a lot of great stuff. You can head over to yourroutine.com, and if you use if you use code, excuse me, Shane White thirty at checkout, you can receive thirty percent off your first order. All right, everybody. Today's episode is with Kyle Murphy, the CEO and co-founder of N-Spice. This episode, uh, I got excited about N-Spice when I first stumbled on this product because essentially it's adding tons of nutrients that all of us most likely lack, uh, especially in the standard American diet, uh, lack these supplements, these nutrients in our diets. Well, he's found a way to mix it into the seasonings that most of us use every day. So think um, salt, pepper, cinnamon. Uh, he's, he's got, you know, basically these normal, uh, salt, pepper, cinnamon, et cetera, spices, um, that are combined with additional nutrients. So you, you know, you don't even taste them, but they're a part of, of, uh, what's in his product. Really cool product, really cool founder. Uh, I think you guys are really going to like this episode. So without further ado, give it up for Kyle. Kyle Murphy, the CEO of N Spice, is live on the show. Kyle, thanks for joining, man. How are you? Yeah, likewise, Shane. I'm doing great. How you doing, man? It's good to be doing on. awesome. I'm pumped to have you on here. Um, as everyone yeah. knows that listens, this is all about going zero to one. Uh, I thought your product was super unique, honestly. When I looked at it, I'm like, this makes a ton of sense. I feel like a lot of products, you're starting to see a lot of brands kind of go in this direction of adding functional benefits to other things. So when I saw yours, I'm like, this is a category that is honestly super stale and it needed something like this. So I wanted to talk to you. Um, so first of all, thanks for coming on the show. And secondly, sure. would you mind giving everyone listening just a little background of you and of, of your brand? Yeah, absolutely. Have to. Um, so founder and CEO of N-Spice, uh, we make the first nutrient enhanced seasonings and spices. Um, so black pepper, cinnamon enhanced with 13 vitamins, eight minerals, uh, sourced from 10 organic plants. So just a easy, convenient way to, to make every meal nutrient dense and get your daily uh, nutrients when you're seasoning your food. Which honestly, if you think about it, and I, I'm sure you have a lot because you started this, but it seems so simple. Like you're like, well, duh, that's like what a, what a great way to get nutrients into, you know, the foods you're already eating. Where yeah. did like to back up, where did the idea come from? Would love to know, like just the beginning, like where did this concept come from for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the Enspace story began back in 2016. Um, so 
on my 18th birthday, actually, um, I was doing medical mission work in Guatemala uh, with, with my co-founder, who's my father. He's a rheumatologist, medical doctor. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And myself, my father, and then my oldest sister, I have five sisters, my oldest sister, who's a nurse practitioner. Um, she was also on this trip with us. So we were doing like a medical triage, um, you know, treating patients, children. Um, I was doing medical scribing and doing some translating. Um, and we were traveling around to different parts of the country, remote parts of Guatemala. Um, and we kept having children come in that were, um, had sign of growth relative to the age group. So okay. they were physically full throughout the day. They weren't complaining of being hungry, um, but their diets, which were he heavily dependent on corn, um, lack the nutrients, the micronutrients they needed. Um, so that issue became very clear for us. Um, in extreme cases, um, kids came in with, you know, bowing of the legs due to a vitamin D deficiency, a severe vitamin D deficiency, which is rickets. So we saw kind of the whole spectrum from um, kids that just weren't growing uh, reaching their, their growth potential relative to the, where they should be, um, to those kids that are just severely lacking a particular nutrient, um, and kind of what that looked like. Um, and so that micronutrient issue became very clear for us and became something that was very important for us to, to try and, um, think through and see what we could do besides prescribing a multivitamin, because for the kids that were coming in that had deficiencies and inadequacies, we were essentially providing a multivitamin for them to supplement yeah. their diet. And so we were thinking through, you know, what if there's a way that we could make the foods that are readily available to them accessible, um, make them more nutrient dense and to uh, round out their, their, their daily nutrient intake in an easy and convenient way. And so um, 2016, after that trip, we came back and we had this idea, what if we put these nutrients into the seasonings and spices that are used around the world? Um, across all diets. And so that's where the original idea for enhanced spice and spice came from um, was the, that trip. Um, so the original intention of the product was for severe use cases. So originally we intended for end spice to be for um, children in the developing world that were severely lacking, that had that micronutrient malnutrition. Um, um, that said, so 2016, um, we actually started our nonprofit, the Enspice Children's Foundation, um, and started developing the concept um, for that severe use case. Um, 2016 to 2018, um, I'd started college at Notre Dame, and um, we were essentially providing nutrient-dense meals for kids while we figured the product out. Um, wow. We didn't know how to make the products, and so we figured we'll start with what we can do. We, we can provide funds and, and um, capital and and food um, for children that don't have access to those nutrient-dense meals. So we started a, a school lunch program in Madagascar, which was a country previously done mission work in, um, as well as in Guatemala. Um, and in those two years, we'd provided about 25,000 meals. Um, and we just started figuring out how to make the product. So 2018, um, I was in my dorm room, just mixing spices, ordering, um, from suppliers just figuring out how to actually get the nutrients into these products um and um, what happened was we realized that the product just wasn't cost effective at all for mm -hmm. that original severe use case um at the time you're we providing meals for about 65 cents in madagascar and as low as 25 cents in guatemala and these are nutrient dense meals um that don't necessarily need a supplement um and so that cost affecting this issue, like by the time we shipped our products overseas for the school lunch programs, um, we could provide a week's worth of nutrition for a kid, um, wow. nutrition, nutritious meal, meals. Yeah. So um, at that point, we, we looked at that and we looked at that inability to make that cost effective, you know, um, and so that led us to pivot and look and say, okay, well, in the US, is there a commercial market for this type of products for folks who are generally eating well, like we're eating well in our country, but we're having deficiencies and inadequacies across the board in different nutrients. So it's a different use case, but it's sim you know, it's similar, same nutrients, just a different level of deficiency and inadequacy. Um, so we, we pivoted and said, what if we develop the products for US-based consumers for those inadequacies and deficiencies? Um, and developed a brand and company 
um, in a way that would self-fund our foundation in perpetuity. So 2018, made the pivot, founded the company, um, and started developing, reformulating the products for U.S.-based consumers. Um, 2018 to 2020, I was finishing up my undergraduate um, uh, years, and we essentially were in those two years testing out uh, different formulations with customers. We were getting we we're getting our products in the hands of, of folks we thought might be interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked actually with the university. Um, Notre Dame supported some of our focus group testing. And so they brought in folks and we had that, you know, like one two way mirror type situation where they're coming in, trying out the products and just giving honest feedback. Oh, that's cool. It. Yeah. Very cool. And so that was super helpful. And, um, you know, we did that and we started to learn that there was in fact, um, a lot of interest in this type of product, uh, which is kind of step number one to figure out if we could make this into, um, a company, um, that could solve from the foundation. Um, and then secondly, during those two years, we kind of validated that initial, okay, yeah, there is interest in this. There is a need in the U S. Um, and then secondly was figuring out, okay, what kind of nutrients should we actually be putting in this product? What nutrient density, you know, um, and thirdly, most important too, is the product has to taste good. You know, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's. That's like you always know, my first want, thing. It's like, it's gotta, it's gotta be good food and taste good. Right. When it's going to scale. Absolutely. Yeah. And without that, you know, we don't have a product that people will, will buy. Um, so for our products, you know, we had to look at, okay, what nutrient density can we go to? How many nutrients can we put into the product and still maintain that just awesome flavor profile um, where you pick our product up, use our cinnamon in your coffee or on your um, toaster or yogurt and it tastes as good or better than a store-bought unenhanced cinnamon and so that was obviously very important um, for us and so um, we kind of played around with that nutrient density taste flavor profile and we essentially figured out the optimal uh, nutrient density we could go to in a teaspoon which was 50 percent of fda daily values in roughly three gram serving um and maintain that awesome awesome flavor so we kind of did a lot of that product dev stuff yeah yeah. um, while i was finishing up school and then we figured out enough that um by 2020 i graduated um during the pandemic of course which um and i was able to raise a friends and family around and get the brand launched and move to chicago and kind of get this thing going Uh, yeah so you're kind of in the beginning of the like business side of the cpg component of this business i mean it sounds cool too like the one thing that stood out to me immediately in that whole timeline was that it'd be interesting to think back to the very beginning when you're on that mission trip um if your dad wasn't there do you think you would have been like for me and this is going to sound maybe ignorant but like going over to a third world country and seeing a lot of these you know disabilities or health issues like you would see it, but maybe not, you would understand it. You don't really know what's yeah. going on. You had a lot, it sounded like you just walking through that. You had a lot of like, I could tell your dad kind of pointing out like what's going on and why there's a deficiency potentially. Um, I wonder if that was maybe part of the spark because without understanding why there's an issue, um, I think that would have been a huge, you know, a huge gap to, to figure out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hundred percent. So co-founded the company with my, with my dad. Um, he's been a very integral part of it. Um, we were fortunate on that initial trip. Um, so I was working with my dad, he was treating patients. Um, and then my sister, you could see patients as well. She's an NP. Um, but we had a few other docs on that trip as well. So it was a very medical focused mission. Um, you know, whereas if, if we had done a trip, um, that was just more just community based or not focused on, on treating folks, I don't think that, that spark wouldn't have um, had the opportunity to, to kick. So um, it was very, very instrumental that that was a medical mission and that, you know, I come from a family with a medical background. So it was kind of a natural um, progression when we started probing and looking at these problems and questions that uh, myself and my dad could, could kind of get a grasp on what we needed to do and, and kind of yeah. start, start moving forward. One question I have at the beginning too, just thinking zero to one here is um, what was the thought of potentially starting a business with your dad? That's honestly, out of all the founders I've had on here, I don't think I have any that have 
become co-founders with a parent. Was that, was that something you like, were you pumped about? Did you have any like um, hesitation or did your dad maybe? Cause like, you know, getting in business with family and friends can be, can be complicated, but interesting. Inter- I'm interested to know how it was for you guys. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So it was something we were excited about. Um, but again, like we didn't set out on the beginning of this process to start a company together. So we wanted to start a nonprofit together. Um, and so to that end, it was very, something we were very excited about, like just doing good in the world. Um, it's been something that, you know, I've done a number of mission trips. My dad has as well. My sister, it's been something that, you know, we've been doing for a while and we've wanted to give back. And so we were very excited about kicking that off and starting a family nonprofit that we viewed it as, you know, myself, yeah. my sister, my dad, um, whole family, friends and family supporting the, the nonprofit. Um, as we progressed from the nonprofit um, to creating the company, um, it was a very gradual process. So once we figured out that we couldn't actually use the product for um, through through our foundation, um, it was why a very, was why was that? Why could you not use it through the foundation? Yeah, so the, it was just wasn't cost effective. So oh, okay. the product itself, the cogs are just too high that. Sure. It, we ship it overseas and we can provide a week, two weeks worth of nutrient dense meals. So um, when we made the pivot in 2018 from, okay, we have a foundation, we're going to start a company together. Um, it was honestly something we were very excited about. So like we viewed it as um, my, my dad's very passionate about the give back component of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of like, it was kind of like a switch. I just became obsessed figuring out like, okay, how can we make this like a sustainable social enterprise? And so it was a very natural, exciting time for us to kind of think through, okay, we create a company, but what's that going to look like with the foundation? And so we um, essentially set it up like we're co-founders of the company, but he's the executive director of our nonprofit. And okay. then I'm kind of spearheading the company itself. So so at one point, did it kind of go from, not to cut you off, but I'm just curious now, yeah. at one point, did it go from, it was really a social mission and then you guys decided to bring a product to life to then re- kind of realizing like, hey, we can make this a business with a huge social component to it that can fund itself. 100%. Yeah. What cool. point? Yeah. 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 So we, it, it was a natural progression. Like it took, you know, we started the nonprofit two years earlier before we um, kind of made that pivot. Um, but when we were you know, looking at that, it, it honestly was just like a very natural progression. Like we didn't st- set out to start a company, but as we started feeding kids and started putting the product together, um, we realized the biggest impact we could have was in actually starting a company and building that give back component, which uh, we're able to do. Uh, we have a buy one, feed one model. So each product we sell provides one nutrient dense meal. So that, like, that was a very organic process. And then when we went from nonprofit starting the company creating the social enterprise between the two. Um, it was something we we're excited about, you know, and, and my dad um, wanted to kind of spearhead the foundation and the work we're doing internationally. Um, and then I would run kind of the company side of things. And um, it just kind of worked out that, you know, it's something we were excited about and it's worked out well so far, you know, we're both doing what we, we love. Um, awesome. So. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And it sounds like, I mean, you guys kind of are, um, for lack of better words, you guys were, were both really good at different things. I mean, your dad's a, you know, he's a doctor. So he's got like his whole world and a, and a belief system and, and what he wanted to benefit with this business. And it sounds like you just from the beginning, which is really interesting. I love hearing this from founders. It just seems like you had an itch to start a business, even going to Notre Dame where I'm, I, I don't know what you studied, but like, you know, you're going to school to get a degree. And in reality, you're also building a business while you're in school. So sounds like you guys had a really good dynamic, which I'm sure is rare. Honestly, I could see that being, being a tough dynamic unless you have a really good relationship and, and have, you know, different ways uh, of working and different areas of the business you're really interested in that you can kind of lead. Um, so that's really cool. And then when you guys decided to like really make the switch to like the end spice product you have today, um, which if you, if everyone hasn't picked up by on by now or, or understands, um, would you mind giving everyone just a little bit of a background into like actually the physical product of, of what people could purchase today? And, and we'll kind of get in, I would love to kind of learn a little bit more about how you kind of came up with it and developed it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So um, we currently have six and spice products um, ranging from a cinnamon to black pepper, taco seasoning, season salt. Um, we essentially launched with 
the six most popular spice or seasoning blends on the market. So we have like an Old Bay equivalent in our Cape Cod, um, you know, a um, Chipotle barbecue, which is our Weber's Grillmate comp. Um, and so we have a range, currently six different spice and seasoning blends that you can use. Um, we try to hit every every type of meal that you can use. Essentially, you know, we've got seafood covered Cape Cod and tacos, et cetera. Um, but across the board, all of our products, they're what we call nutrient enhanced, enhanced spices. So our cinnamon is, um, it's a Ceylon cinnamon, um, true cinnamon, premium cinnamon, um, enhanced with these 21 nutrients, 13 vitamins, eight minerals, um, sourced from 10 organic plants. So wow. the bulk of our products are those spice and seasoning blends. So like our cinnamon, it's hundred percent natural products. So our cinnamon is Ceylon cinnamon. And then we're able to blend in, in, in the, in the background and get those 21 nutrients, um, from these 10 different plant sources for like kale, broccoli, um, chlorella, maltake mushroom, shiitake mushroom, um, and put them into this, the cinnamon and the seasonings in a way that you can't taste them. So I was going like, to say, can you taste it? You can't. Yeah. So that's what was fortunate was while I was in school, like we were able to figure out how much, how much, how much of these plants we could put in, what nutrients we could put in without affecting their impact and taste. Wow. So our taco seasoning, you use it and it's tastes just like a taco seasoning because it is, you know, it just got that benefit added in in the back end what and this might it might be different for all these but like for people listening yeah. who are now and it's probably where my head goes and where most listeners goes is like so you can't taste it what like percent of daily value on average are we talking like comes from using like if you use the cinnamon for example like how much are you getting how much vegetable like percent of your daily value and vegetables are you are you getting from that yeah definitely um so currently one teaspoon is 50 percent of your fda daily values no way really yeah Wow. So that's kind of the highest nutrient density we could go to in a teaspoon while still maintaining that rich seasoning spice flavor profile. So I can have like my sweet potato, put a tablespoon or teaspoon of the your cinnamon on there. I'm getting 50% of also of, of some of these vitamins, minerals, and, and other things that I'm probably making other food with. 100%. Yeah. Damn, so that's cool. Getting, shit. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's sweet. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, um, you know, it took a while to get that nutrient density right. But the problem in the U.S., so it's not those, it's not a lack of, complete lack of nutrients. It's like throughout the day, we're eating foods, we're getting nutrients from the foods we eat, but we might be getting 30, 35% in vitamin C or, you know, 70% vitamin A. And so what we realized and what we found, and we, we did like a deep dive on like the data and looking at, okay, what are the most common nutrient deficiencies and inadequacies in the U S um, we realized that it's, it's crazy, but 95% of us consumers have at least a few inadequacies in nutrients. So that could be, you're getting 80, 85% of your vitamin B3, um, you know, just across the board. The problem is in filling that gap between what we're already getting from our food and just hitting that 100% threshold. So I'm, I'm so, sure part of it's also just, I mean, if you look at the, the average standard American diet, it's garbage, honestly, right? Right. And like, yeah. I, I would have to imagine like most people, and maybe I'm totally off, off here and you would tell me, if, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine a lot of people that probably eat more on, on healthy side also potentially use a lot more like heavy, like high sodium seasonings in the way they cook anyway. Mm-hmm. That's such a gap 100%. you're solving because if you're going to use that stuff anyway, now you're adding in the additional components in your diet you don't you didn't get. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Very and cool. So, thanks. Yeah, and so we saw like the solution that folks have been using so far to fill in those nutrient gaps is a multivitamin. So mm-hmm. to get to to get that peace of mind that okay, I'm hitting at least hundred percent across the board every day. I'm going to take a gummy multivitamin, which is filled with sugar. Majority of them are from synthetic sources for the nutrients. So like they're not actually coming from their natural plant sources, not plant-based, although plant-based is something that's very much making its, its, its way and grabbing a larger share of the market in the multivitamin industry. Um, but we honestly view it as um, you don't need to take a multivitamin. Like you're getting most of the nutrients you need throughout the day, but to just get that baseline coverage, just season your food and you're 
getting that baseline coverage you need without having to buy a synthetic supplement that you would typically buy to, to fill in those gaps. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. What a wild idea. I mean, I think that's like, it's because as this continues to grow and scale, it just has the potential to really bridge a lot of diet gaps that are out there. Cause you're not forcing people to really eat something they're probably not already eating. Um, and if anything, exactly. it enhances the food that maybe they are trying to be healthier with, but don't love the food options they're cooking. Right. Um, yeah. so that's yeah. really cool. So you come up with a product while you're at Notre Dame, um, and develop it. What was like your first way of selling the product? Did you launch a website? Did you go door to door? Like what, how did you kind of kick off now that you have a finished product? What was step one of, of selling it and really starting the business? Yeah, uh, exactly. So we started, I set up a, um, a stand at the local South Bend farmer's market. Love so this. I was, I was selling like in the South Bend farmer's market. And honestly, like we didn't sell that much because we didn't know how to tell the story and like what the product was. Like we originally positioned it as this is a seasoning plus a multivitamin, which okay. didn't really, like we had to do a lot of figuring out how to actually tell like what the product is and positioning. And so we learned a lot of that when I was just trying to sell like in the farmer's market um and we realized that 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 was kind of like a people didn't really understand that multivitamin plus seasoning thing so that's kind of how we informed and and realized that you know these are enhanced spices nutrient enhanced and that kind of made more sense yeah Um, but originally just started selling in the farmer's market um and you know it was what was that experience like for you like i I, because this is something that i love talking to founders about is that like you spend all this time developing something. And then this is like your first time putting it out into the world. I'm sure there were some memories you could share with all of us that, you know, good, bad, interesting. Did you have doubts? You know, all that stuff as you're trying to sell at the farmer's market. Yeah. A hundred percent. We had, a, I had a lot of doubts. Um, so at the time, like our products now, the packaging is, I think it's pretty great, but like at the time we were using, like I, I bought like jars from Uline and like, I printed off the labels on my printer, like, and it just, the branding was completely different and it just didn't look nice at all, to be honest. Like, yeah, but I thought it was like amazing. Right. Cause like you just, you figure you put the product together um, and people are just going to buy the product because like you tell them how good it is for you, but the packaging sucks. Like yeah. that's a big part of consumer behavior, right? Like they're not going to like it. And so our packaging sucked at the time. Um, we didn't know how to tell the story. And so we had a lot of people just weren't interested to understand like what the product was or why they should buy it. Um, and so the first couple of days of that farmer's market, we barely sold anything to be honest. Like, and I, just, I was, I was kind of, you know, just, you know, doubting like, you know, maybe this isn't a good product, but um, started thinking through like, maybe the messaging isn't right. Maybe the packaging isn't right. Maybe we're not telling or showing customers how to use it. And so, um, the next day at the farmer's market, I'd stopped at the McDonald's and I bought packs of their apples, like the kids' apples. Okay. Um, little baggies. And we were selling cinnamon at the time. That was the first queue. And so we put out these apples, um, for moms walking by with their kids and said, Hey, you know, just add our cinnamon to the apples. They're free. Just take them, try it out. And then by the way, your kid's getting 21 nutrients just in that cinnamon you're adding to the food. So we started doing that and that was kind of like our first, like, I guess, um, like sampling. Sure. Oh yeah. But, that's um, a, that's ingenious right there too, though. I, you know, I didn't even, my head didn't even go to that, but what a great way to crack into like the kids market, because I know even at our X bar, like we launched a few different types of kids bars and it's just a tough, it's a tough category because if the kids don't love it, um, it's never going to get repurchased again. Like kid, like if you talk about good food, like kids, sniff out the bad food better than it. And honestly, it probably needs to kind of taste not like healthy for them to love it. Right. So that's great. What a great idea to, to help, you know, parents too, and try to, you know, bring this to market that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So that was really good. Like validation. Then we sold our first couple of units. Like it was like, um, the kid loved the apples and loved the cinnamon. The mom was like, wow. Okay. They love it. And you just told me I'm getting this benefit. Um, it's a no brainer. So how much does it cost? We'll pay you. So, um, that was, that was big for us. So like we, we figured out in that, you know, early farmers market phase and just figuring out the product, what we needed to change, which was the packaging because the packaging sucked um, and how to tell that story. Um, 
early on. So that helps. And how did you go around the path? This is one we've talked about on here a few times, because I think this is a lot of people stop when it comes to developing and launching a brand or a product at the stage of trying to get through the packaging. Like where do you, where, where did you start and how did you kind of like figure out where to properly source all the packaging? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Google, I mean, I was just like Googling warning about the industry. Um, and so, so my senior year, um, I realized we needed new packaging. Couldn't just buy from Uline, which I didn't understand at the time really what Uline was, but they're a distributor, they're a packaging distributor, you know? So like we needed our own packaging. So what I did was I went to, I went to the spice aisle and supermarket and just bought a bunch of different ones um, and started flipping the canisters over to find the manufacturer of that canister. So smart. Yeah. So just stuff like that, just like find out what's out there, look on the bottom of the canister, look at the logo and then just Google that company. So that was kind of how I found like the, and started going through the process of figuring out who are the spice and seasoning canister manufacturers. And then I just started emailing them the ones I liked and kind of went from there. Um, Love it. And you just kind of figured it out and tested and learned and eventually developed your own branding. Did you hire like a, like a freelancer to kind of help design the, the new packaging and logo and feel of the website and brand? Yeah. Yeah. So we did. So, um, Originally, my senior year, I'd hired a, a friend um, to help out with branding um, and packaging. Um, but as I started, like, just looking, finding spice manufacturers by turning the canisters over, um, I found one that I really liked um, that we're currently using um, and kind of so figured out that the canister, the, you know, the type of um, friction fit closure we'd use. And then as we launched, um, we were fortunate you know, we were able to raise the friends and family rounds as I graduated right. and bring on a, just a killer brand marketer to help us out with the label um, and to, you know, to complete the brand and help us out with that or, and initial um, redesign of the, the brand itself and the, the label. So um, we brought on the former creative director at Just Water. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So when I graduated, awesome. that was one of your first hires. Yeah. He was our first hire um, and he was on for six months. So we, I graduated, had some cash from friends and family, hired him. And then it was him and I um, just kind of building the brand and getting it launched. And then we launched like six to seven months later, like October of 2020. Got it. And so for you coming out of college, as, as uh, all of us can probably connect with, I know myself, I remember getting graduating from Purdue and I was broke as can be. Um, and so, you know, needing that first job to start generating revenue is like how I kind of started rolling. Um, mm -hmm. what was kind of the thoughts going through your head, especially with your dad being part owner in the business? Um, did you guys have much discussion around, you know, bootstrapping versus raising money? And, and what was your kind of thoughts early on with that? And, and ultimately how you guys decided on raising a friends and family around? Yeah. So we bootstrap, we self-funded. Um, all through undergrad and uh, my undergrad and um, like product dev. So like we weren't at a point where, where people would be interested in putting in money, right? Because like we just had an idea. So like we went from ideation, um, ordering, you know, those initial orders, developing the product, um, completely bootstrapped. Um, and then my senior year, um, after... Notre Dame had done some of that uh, focus group testing for us. They were interested in coming in as a partner. Oh, wow. So my senior year, they, they threw in some cash. Um, Notre Dame that, actually did. Very cool. That's some yeah. validation. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was great. So, you know, that was kind of our first outside check. Um, not a huge check, but enough to, to keep us moving. Um, and in, so in those deals, like with schools, I'm, I've always been curious to this. Do they get a little bit of equity with it usually? Yeah, it's an equity, it, yeah, equity deal. Um, and so we kind of gone through their accelerator process. Okay. Um, and they have a, a whole, it's called the Idea Center, but it's essentially the hub for um, student and faculty entrepreneurship. And then they have a venture fund that they started, I believe it was 2018. Very um, cool. To kind of fund, yeah. So we were closely with them. They gave us some cash, which was validation, of course, and gave us a lot of street cred. Um, and then, you know, we used that to figure out the packaging and then we had initial sales and had figured out how to package product and actually what it looked like to run a CPG company. Yeah. And so we were able to tell that story to friends and family and raise because 
I realized like I don't come from a food background, CPG, and we really needed someone that I realized at the time how important the branding and packaging was after that farmer's market and, and just realizing that we didn't have a product that we could sell it was retail ready um, package wise. Um, so we raised that friends and family around so that we could bring on someone who's just a killer brand marketer to help us capture what we're doing and match that what we saw as the product innovation and marry it with like just a very compelling brand that's fun and the packaging's fun and colorful, um, et cetera. So um, I love that. That's really cool. And so you guys are doing the farmer's market. Did you guys launch a website shortly after you said it was like a seven or eight month um, lead time until you launched? Was that the initial launch? Was it the website? It was. Yeah. Yeah. DTC. Love um, it. Yeah. So I, I, when I, when I was, you know, before we officially launched the brand, um, I put together a website on like Squarespace and it just sure. sucks looking back yeah. on. I've built some Squarespace websites. They're, they're, they're not as nice as Shopify like, ever. I feel like I'd never, yeah, they just, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel you there. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Um, and, but you think it's awesome when you make your first one and then you realize it sucks, but, um, <laughs> you know, we had a Squarespace website and then when we did the redesign, the brand marketer, um, he built the first initial website we built on webflow and then converted to shopify template um right. and so, yeah, the one you have now is great is that on shopify it is yeah thanks yeah i love so, it the ones that you scroll through and things like change and evolve as you move through i think i just think are great websites i know a lot of brands are moving to that yeah so it's super cool and you like i've you can really only do that on webflow like you can really only oh. build the types of interactions or what i've seen you know, that's kind of the best way to do it and then convert it over to Shopify. Um, wow. So we essentially, yeah, we export, like we build on Webflow and then export the code and then upload it to Shopify. Um, and there was no uh, kinks or anything or did it, did it have kinks? Yeah, there, there was kinks for sure. But so we use, there's a company called Udesly um, that you essentially upload your Webflow code and then they add like the Shopify um, little snippets that you need. And then, they export it for you and then you just kind of upload it as a team. So love it. I, I'm, I'm yeah. about to, we're working on a website for our business. So I need to, I mean, I'll reach out to you after at, offline here and learn a little more. This is, that's really cool. So there's ways to do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I didn't, so we hired the brand marketer and he knew that. So like we were able to learn a lot from him. And so what ended up happening is he helped us with the, the actual packaging, the initial website. And then we realized that, you know, we just, we didn't have enough money, frankly, to, to have him on full time. So sure. I learned from him how to do the web flow to Shopify um, conversion and just started doing the website myself and all that just because we couldn't afford, you know, to have. Sure. Got to get scrappy and make sure you're not spending more than you're making. I get that. 100%. Very cool. So the website gets launched, things start rolling. Were there any other points of distribution? Uh, so this is end of 2020. So you're kind of building all this out through the height of the pandemic, I guess, the beginning of the pandemic, I should say, um, mm -hmm. launched at the end of 2020. So you guys have been in online live for a little over a year. What yep. other, have you been in any other points distribution, whether it's Amazon or retail or anything else? Yeah. So we launched you to see first, and then we started wholesaling in a grocery, um, in like Q2. So like in the spring, um, of 2021, um, that was very interesting because we started to learn, like we were able to get those initial orders. We launched into Air One Market. Oh, in nice. That's a great initial retailer. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So we got we got in them in the summer. So over the summer, we launched into all seven other stores. Um, Congrats. But, That's sweet. That's ass. Yeah. So we were able to get like those, like Air One and some other high-end stores in San Francisco, LA, Chicago, we're based, and then New York City. And that was kind of like our soft rollout retail launch to figure out how it performed on shelf with okay. this packaging and that actually was retail ready. Um, and also too, like we learned a lot about um, what shelf price would work. Like we had to figure out essentially what the consumer appetite was for this type of product and where we position it on shelf. Um, and so we actually realized like it was performing well but in air one it just sat at 15 dollars on shelf because after you know we wholesaled it the distributor had it and then they got yeah. their, their 15 dollars per shaker per shaker yeah so it's a three ounce canister but that's that's at the highest end of of the of the aisle so yeah that was interesting um 
you know, to kind of see, okay, what does it actually sit at at shelf at the end of the day? And so, um, you know, while it's doing well in those types of accounts, we're currently like 20 accounts. Um, So just, you know, still early on the wholesale side. Um, But we figured out enough that um, like for this year, 2022, we're, we're launching a slight reformulation to the line so it'll sit same 21 nutrients. Um, we're just dropping that nutrient density back a little bit to about okay. 25% in a teaspoon. Got um, it. And it'll sit at 999 on shelf. Perfect. Um, yeah. I feel like yeah. a $10 threshold is probably a big one for that aisle. hundred percent. Yeah. So that was for us this year has been a lot of learning what it's going to take for this to succeed at retail. And so we've kind of gotten that initial learning um, through our initial counts of 20. Love it, man. That's really cool. Very badass. And then, um, so you're in wholesale, you have your D to C site, any other line of sight to where you guys are going to expand for people listening who want to try the product, uh, where you'll, where else you'll try to be in 2022. Yeah. So, um, we're going to expand out, uh, with our new line that'll sit at $10, um, throughout the Chicagoland area, uh, the next three months. Um, and then we're finalizing, uh, uh, uh a whole foods launch. So we're hoping oh. that that'll go. Oh yeah. Through. Congrats. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, that would, you know, knock on wood, that would be, um, in the fall. Um, okay. So um, right on. Well, yeah. everyone in Chicago definitely will, uh, after this, we'll, we'll share out where the, where the product is and I'm sure we'll, we'll keep chatting about it. I, I definitely will check out my whole foods when it's here and make sure I get a nice picture for social media of that. That's exciting. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, we're in like local foods too in Chicago. So, um, if you ever, a few other spots right now. So, um, yeah, just very uh, good. It's like the beginning of a, a fun journey. I feel like when I at RX, I told this story, I think earlier today on a call, I was saying it feels like in the CPG space, what tends to happen is if you can get pricing, right, get your price, your price pack architecture, right. And then you start to like roll out to retail. It's kind of like a domino effect. Like you get a few big accounts and then all the other guys want to jump in and follow along. So I'm hoping that's the case for you guys. That's super exciting. Erwan, Whole Foods, like you're hitting the, the big ones, the important ones. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, that's definitely what we've seen so far. Like um, just landing those, honestly, it's just like landing those first initial accounts. And then you go to other accounts and say, hey, I'm sold here. You should take us. And so like it, it I've seen it so far as, as, as a momentum game. Like it's just like, do whatever you can to get those initial accounts, leverage that to get into other accounts, leverage those accounts, you know, just snowball effects. So yeah, uh, it's cool to hear that's kind of been your experience too in industry. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, one of the things at RX that I think the team, you know, did phenomenally well is just held really tight to our margin expectations. And what that meant in reality was saying no to a lot of retailers earlier on building our base. And so like, we just kept building our D to C our Amazon or B2B businesses, which were super healthy margins. And that allowed us to have a profitable base to fund the rest of the business. Um, and then, so when we went back to retailers, we just held tight on our price points, held tight on our margin expectations, knowing their margin expectations, it kind of, it made the conversation easier in a way. Uh, cause then, you know, the line between where we could end up and where they want us to be, is, gets really thin. Um, and so it's either like we can make a deal or we can't, if we had to say no, we would walk away and then we'd have a conversation six months later or a year later and, um, just made really smart moves that way. I think that's, and you hear that a lot. I've heard from talking to founders on the podcast, you know, it's, I think I can only imagine as a founder of a, of a brand getting an opportunity to get into a big door. It's like, you want to get the deal. You want to get the business, right? So sometimes I think you think about long-term effects of any business. It's sometimes those early distribution wins those price points obviously set the precedent to what you have to sell into for even bigger accounts down the road. So it's a fun game. That's what I spent a lot of time at RX doing was yeah. price back architecture and trade management. So, um, so big, so crucial. I mean, it, like you, you need to make money at the end of the day, the margins yeah. need to be healthy. So um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting just like figuring that out, what we can do and what, what other stakeholders are, you know, are expecting distributor retailer, different retailers. And so um at, once you get that right, you know, it's a win-win, right? Because yeah. the retailer is winning, you're winning. And so in the consumer's winning because they're getting at a price point that um, they can purchase at. So, um, right. And I'm sure for you guys, there's a little bit of a challenge because you're, you're really like creating a whole new niche in a category that's stale, which I mean, that's kind of what RX did too, and to, to a degree, but you guys are really probably, you're trying to like trade people up 
it sounds like to 100%. a premium product that maybe they don't realize they need, which I'm sure is, you know, it's a challenge, but that's, I'm sure that's where a lot of your guys' marketing efforts will, will go into. 100%. Yeah. And, um, you know, for us, it was important that shelf price, you know, be competitive. Like we're obviously going to be more expensive than just a store brand cinnamon and aisle, but um, telling that consumer story, the benefit on, you know, that you're getting all your nutrients with this product. So you're willing to pay a few dollars more has been um, key. And that's something we'll continue to, to harp on. Um, it's interesting too, for retailers, um, you know, we were able to tell the velocity story. So like our D to C, um, we have customers reordering after four months every quarter. And so for wow, that's probably spice, pretty good for spices, right? Very good. It's like for, for spices and aisles, you know, as you mentioned, it's one of the sleepiest, slowest turn aisles in grocery. And so being able to show that data story that look, our customers are reordering significantly higher rate quicker than, than a typical spice. Um, that's been key for, for retail conversations. Um, and then two, you know, while it is a higher price product, um, if the margin structure, you know, we've gotten a margin structure, right. You're growing your category, um, gross profit, um, just because you are getting, you know, a few dollars rather than 40, 50 cents for a $2 spice. Right. So, yeah. And a few things that we've been able to kind of work on and, and figure out. I love that. That's cool too. I mean, I, you know, obviously being a finance guy originally yeah. that like the data behind that sell story, I think is so interesting. Definitely something I got to see a lot of the people early on at RX do, um, you know, use data and velocity to to sell in. That's a, that's a huge component of it and, and framing it up that way, like growing the categories, gross profit. That's, that's badass. And that's something that I would assume has not happened in that category in a very long time. Yeah. And that's, you know, we're, we're excited about it. And so we're excited to, we've, we've gotten, we're still in the early stage of the company, frankly, obviously sure. we have our initial retail, but you know, we have our DTC stuff, but um, 2022 is really when we're going to be able to roll this out on a bigger scale. And uh, we're excited, you know, to kind of, kind of get this growing and, and continue moving and building on the foundation. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, product sounds really interesting. I think what's cool too, and I've been saying this for a long time is I think the that, that aisle and that category needs, needs branding. Like you guys, like if you walk down, like anyone listening to this, go and go to any grocery store you go to walk down the seasoning and spices aisle. It's just boring. Like everything is boring and you're starting to see, um, you know, I think for a good example, you're starting to see lots of other categories have like packaging and branding that really stands out on boring shelves. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so I think you guys are going to crush it, man. I think that's, it's really unique, really cool. Um, for everyone listening, uh, obviously D to C is going to be a huge spot. Um, if you're in Chicago, there's going to be some locations. Um, where do you normally point people to D to C? Like, is it the best yeah, place to try to kind of interact with the brand for the first time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And spice.com. Okay. We'll add that to the show notes. Um, as we start to get towards the end of the show, Kyle, I'd love to ask you, there's three questions I ask every founder that comes on here. Um, I think, you know, founders in general have really cool answers to this. The first one is, Essentially, you know, you're running a business. There's lots of moving pieces, lots of different different things you have to manage day to day and week to week. Um, what do you use tool wise to plan your, you know, yearly goals, vision, whatever it is you you think long term, and then down to daily tasks? Are you a, an app guy? Are you a pen and paper guy? Like, what's the tools in the the tools and tricks that you use to plan your day and get shit done? Yeah. Um, so I'm a big yeah app guy. So I use Asana. Um, okay. Yeah. From everything from what to do daily to longer term goals. Um, and I recently, I converted over, I was originally doing all of that on like Google sheets. So just like mm -hmm. making every week and then just hiding it. So, uh, you know, a couple thousand tab. Um, oh yeah. That's, I have one for this podcast. I think it's like yeah. over 3000 rows now. That's exactly what I use. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great. I, I love it. Um, but, uh, I, uh, you know, I switched over to sauna and I really like it. Um, so I just use a sauna for, majority of day-to-day -to, -day to longer term stuff um and then um you know use i do use google sheets a little bit um and then you know just scheduling stuff calendly you know just the basic stuff google calendar but i lean pretty heavily on asana for uh for scheduling and planning and getting shit done Love it. Asana. I've messed around with Asana, but I've never, I don't think I've actually like used it in its full capacity before. So I may have to recheck that out. Okay. Um, 
Very cool. The second one is the source of knowledge you'd love to share with the audience listening today. So whether that's a book, a podcast, anything that, you know, something you would want to recommend to the listeners. Yeah. So I would, so early on, um, when we were getting this, the company launched, I went to the specialty food association show in, okay. um, in San Francisco and I actually got, um, they had a book it was called the basics business of specialty food. And it went through essentially everything you need to know for running a CPG company. Oh, wow. Um, I've, yeah, I, I used it before launch. I continue to refer to it um, weekly or monthly, you know, I used it all the time. And so I have a PDF of that, that I can share with you. If you want to oh, share. I would love that. If you don't mind, that'd be really cool. Don't mind at all. Yeah, that's that's been huge for us. So happy to share oh, that. Love, that's probably the first time on here we've had a, like a free source get shared out. So love that. I can put that link to that somewhere in the show notes and then share it with everybody. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. Very cool. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, the last question and the most important question. Everyone listening who wants to try and spice, um, who wants to check it out, the brand, any of those types of things. If you want to talk about what your social media handles are, the website, if you want to throw out a discount code, any of that fun stuff uh, to let everyone know how they can try the product. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, endspice.com is where we sell all of our SKUs um, ship across the US. Um, you know, we um, have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, endspice.co. Um, check us out. We've gotten, um, we've upped our recipe game too. So if you Ooh. go to our Instagram, you can, get inspired for different recipes to use out the products and um, get your daily nutrients. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll also have a discount code. Uh, uh, we'll call it a uh, uh, Shane, uh, get 10% off. Uh, Love it. Orders. Live. Just figure that out on the spot. Love that. <laughs> Very cool. We'll add that to the show notes and let everyone try it out. Badass. Very cool. Um, well, Kyle, thank you, man. This is really cool. This is a cool episode. Um, Honestly, I think your product is ingenious. I'm excited to try it and uh, excited for you guys. It sounds like you have a huge year ahead and hopefully we get a bunch of people trying it out. And thank you for, for giving us the PDF and uh, letting everyone learn who wants to start a CPG brand. I'm sure there's plenty of people that listen to this that would love to learn a thing or two. So thank you very much. Yeah, likewise, man. Thank you. A lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Awesome, Kyle. We'll have you on again. And um, yeah, good luck this year, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Take care.